Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. The Irish are coming. We're just two weeks out from being on Test Match Eve as our Irish pals look to come over here, put a statement tour up against the All Blacks only a year out from the 2023 Rugby World Cup. Three tests against the ABs. Wait in a couple of huge classes midweek with the Māori All Blacks too. It's going to be massive. Gavin Casey is our man on the ground up in Ireland. He's all things boxing and rugby for the 42 Ireland uh, man squad, and he's on the line now. Top of the morning to you, Gav. How are you? <laughs> Good evening, my friend. Everything. <laughs> Yes, we're up and about, mate. There's a bit of a humdinger over here tomorrow night, mate. Uh, Crusaders, Blues, Super Rugby final. It's been a long time coming, mate. 2003, so we're fizzed. Who are you picking? I've got to say I'm leaning towards the Blues. I think the table has just about turned in the last couple of years. Uh, and I had uh, their defence coach, Craig McGrath, on our podcast uh, just ahead of their semi-final with the Brumbies, actually. And he just spoke with such conviction I immediately became a Blues fan for the rest of the season. I know your room there or your studio there is divided in two, but uh, I'm leaning blue tomorrow, I've got to say. It's divided in three. It's three to one. Right. It's Louie, oh. it's Izzy, and the rest of New Zealand against me and the Blues. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, it's going to be an absolute cracker. you got Smith there too, mate, so... It's going to be, yeah, an absolute doozy. We're looking forward to it, mate. Look, the Irish, Irish club sides, obviously Leinster and Ulster falling one short. Uh, but, mate, it's not a bad thing. Gives them another week to prepare to come over to, to New Zealand. Uh, the squad gets back together. Yeah, it's an interesting one because a lot of what Ireland do well at the moment is predicated upon what Leinster do well. And mm. just to give your listeners some context on that, I'm sure a lot of them will remember that in November, when Ireland did get the better of the All Blacks in Dublin, of the match day 23, 13 of those players were Leinster players. And even more pointedly, or, or to accentuate that fact, 12 of the starting 15 were Leinster players. So what Leinster have been doing well throughout their domestic and European season has been a really nice platform on which Ireland has, has have been able to build and do pretty well in the Six Nations on the back of that. But suddenly you've got La Rochelle beating Leinster in a European final. La Rochelle steered by a, a monster man in Ronan O'Gara. Uh, he masterminded a really brilliant tactical victory over Leinster. And then the Bulls. I mean, your old mates from yeah. Super Rugby of, of past iteration come to Dublin and turn the boys over. And uh, nobody in Ireland or even South Africa, I dare say, 
saw that coming. So suddenly that aura of invincibility about Leinster has been eroded and you wonder then from an Irish point of view, are uh, there implications for the national team? Have some of those um, tactics or that style of play been found out by a couple of people who've been observing them for a full season and more? Hey, Gavin, what do you think they learnt the Irish, uh, from the All Blacks touring up there last year? And what, what, what sort of style of play will they bring down to New Zealand? I think at that point, they were starting to really hit their stride with the very fast-paced attack. And it's something that you wouldn't necessarily have associated with Ireland, particularly under Schmidt, where it was very structured. It was obviously possession-based, but everything was about controlling a game um, under Schmidt. And under Andy Farrell, as much as there were speed bumps in the early parts of his reign, it became a very fast-paced attack with uh, Jameson Gibson Park, one of your old boys, uh, a former Mario Black, mm. really pulling strings. And like the pace at which he plays the game is extreme. It's very difficult for defences to deal with, provided obviously you have go-forward from your pack and for most of the season, that Leinster pack and by proxy that Ireland pack were strong enough to get really fast ruck ball. I mean, the ruck speech for the Six Nations is something like 2.9 seconds. And even in the two games, in Paris, where we lost, and in Twickenham, where we made a meal of it, but beat England in the end, still the ruck speed was pretty quick. And I, f- I felt that watching that game in November between Ireland and the All Blacks, New Zealand for the first time probably struggled to deal with Ireland's tempo. It's usually the other way around. And I'm sure Ian Foster uh, will have been licking his lips at the prospect of reversing those arrears over the last few months. But I think Ireland, because now they have a little bit of momentum in terms of how they're playing with their attack, won't deviate too much from mm. what we saw in Dublin. What I'm more fascinated about is how the All Blacks actually counter that. And I think looking at your squad, uh, it's a statement of intent when you see guys like uh, Peter Gus, uh, Sarakula, Falau mm. Fakatava, Roger Tuivasashek, Lester, Fayanga Anuku. That really says to me one thing, which is that they're just going to try and blast. You know, those are big units. Yeah. So it, it changes the dynamic a little bit, I think. Well, yeah, we spoke to um, Grant Fox the other day, and he spoke about the rush defence. And he said, yeah, the rush defence is is great, but if you are brave and you're able to get behind that advantage line in that first um, first hit up, they can't line speed twice. They've got to go backwards. So that's, I think, what you, you're alluding to there, the big bodies getting over the advantage line and, and putting pressure on, on the Irish uh, defence. Mate, quickly, just want to ask you about Joey Carberry. The number 10 and his sure. battle with Johnny Sexton. Look, I mean, when Joey bursted onto the scene, he was the next best thing, but he just hasn't kind of probably hit those straps. Uh, and I haven't been at probably, in my fairness, I haven't probably seen the best of him lately. Where, where do you think he's at with his game? It's a really interesting one because when he's been playing for Munster, he has been part of an extremely dysfunctional attack. Mm. It's an attack under Stephen Larkin that just simply hasn't been firing over the last couple of years, particularly towards the end of this season. It fizzled into nothing. A lot of their really exciting back players on paper became almost non-entities, and it was frustrating to watch as a a Cork man and a lifelong Munster fan, I have to say. And I think Carberry has been a victim of that system. To a degree, he's also been plagued by injury. I mean, Mm. obviously, he missed nearly two years of his career at a crucial developmental stage with injury but even since then he's picked up niggles as you tend to when you're coming back from a long layoff so he just hasn't had that um, he hasn't been able to develop that momentum what I would say is that when he's played for Ireland he's usually dependable it's usually only 20 or 30 minutes off the bench and he close out the show with Sexton uh, putting his feet up but he did play in Paris for a full 80 minutes and Sexton was ruled out in the Six Nations and he mm. performed very capably. Yeah. I think he actually has a lot of credit in the bank with Ireland that he doesn't quite have with Munster at the moment, which is a weird uh, dynamic in the sense that Andy Farrell has shown a lot of faith in him as Johnny Sexton's backup, whereas at Munster there are probably fans who feel that Ben Healy, who isn't even in the Ireland squad, 
is probably a little bit more deserving of his place or at least on a par with Carberry in terms of how he's performing. So we depend on him because we just don't know can Johnny Sexton play three tests. I'd be shocked if he started all three down there, particularly given the abrasive nature of them. So I think Joey's going to feature. It'll be mm-hmm. lovely for him, I'm sure, to play down there. Ireland have been down your direction in 10 years. He obviously was born there and then raised in, in a tie in County Kildare up here. So um, a magical opportunity for him. I think he'll feature, and I think he's actually going to be very important. Yeah. Hey, Gavin, do you think that uh, Ireland's trip down here, it's sort of at the end of the big season for them, they're going to be tired, or they're actually coming down here to win the series? It's a really interesting one because a year out from the World Cup, I would imagine a lot of countries in the past would have gone down there and used it almost as an experimental tour, exposed some of those more fringe players or younger players to that type of uh, fervent, sort of feral uh, physicality and pace that uh, New Zealand bring to the equation. But I actually get the impression from Ireland, even looking at the squad they've picked and from everything that Andy Farrell says, they're looking at this as an opportunity to win a series if they can do it and use that almost as a springboard from which they can attack the World Cup next year. We've never even won a test in New Zealand. So even if we were to win one, and I I would say it's unlikely personally, it would be a bit of a feather in Andy Farrell's cap and offer a a fair bit of momentum heading into the autumn and beyond. I think that uh, purely because three of the last five tests have gone away, we probably smell blood a little bit. But equally, in the past, we've been deluded in smelling blood against New Zealand, as you guys proved in the World Cup <laughs> and on many other occasions. So I'm, uh, I'm approaching this tour with an element of trepidation, but they are going to try and win it. I mean, they're going down, they're confident yeah. that they can turn your boys over. I just don't really share that confidence. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be an absolute cracker of a, of a series, mate. Hey, I just got to ask you the question about fear factor. Do you think, up in the UK and in an Irish perspective, from your point of view, do you think the All Blacks still hold that prestige and, and that fear from other teams? Or do you think that they just they see them now as, as an opportunity to, to get one over them? What's your take on that? Uh, fear, no. But respect, absolutely. Mm. I think the fear factor has dissipated. And actually, yeah. similarly to... Uh, Leinster towards the end of this season where I would have imagined that a lot of the club sides in both the URC and in the Champions Cup would have feared them. Uh, it only takes one result really for that to dissipate and I think based on what happened in New Zealand in November and listen, bear in mind we are very cognizant of the fact that you guys do treat those tours up to Europe as sort of experimental processes mm. but the defeat in Dublin a slightly heavier defeat in Paris and given what happened in the World Cup as well with, with England the fear factor is certainly gone. Mm. The thing is that, look, that black jersey, those unbelievable players that you guys have will always command respect. And particularly in your house, there's nobody from Ireland going down there thinking, oh, we're going to turn these boys over or anything of the sort. But I do think that in past tours to New Zealand, I mean, Izzy, you played and won in 2012. We spoke about it last time I was on. You boys absolutely torched us. And at that point, that was a pretty decent Ireland team they would have absolutely feared going to places like Dunedin and so on. I, I think that fear is gone now, but the respect is very much still alive. Uh, I don't think you have to worry about that. Oh, I love it. Love it, mate. Hey, quickly before we let you go, Andrew Goodman, Crusaders assistant coach. He's signed a coach at, at Leinster. Mate, it's, it's pretty exciting news for Leinster, mate. I've been coached by, by um, Andrew Goody. He's outstanding. So you've picked a good one, mate. Yeah, it's a really exciting appointment for Leinster. He, he played there actually in about, what, 15 years ago mm. or so ago and he mentioned that he's excited actually to move back not only for the new challenge but to reintegrate himself into Dublin and just get get to know this squad of players it is a very special talented bunch of players and 
one thing that I, I, I find fascinating about some of these coaching moves over the years, like you guys had Ronald O'Gara down in Crusaders for a while, and the ideas and the philosophy and just the learnings he took from Canterbury back to France, where yeah. he started working again with La Rochelle, he speaks about it often. I think the more you can broaden your palette as a coach and working in both hemispheres, the better a coach you become. So I think that Leinster are getting a really exciting um, a really exciting coach to replace Felipe Contepomi, who's done the work for, for Michael Checker with Argentina. And I do think he has a job in a sense, because I think a, a few of the elite club defences have figured out how to stifle Leinster's attack now. It's going to be over to Goody to, uh, to flip that script next season. Oh, I loved, I love being coached by Ron O'Gara. Rog, when you come over to Crusaders, mate, it was, uh, it was invigorating. It just really gave me a lot of energy. I, I, I learned so much just from a, um, a Northern Hemisphere perspective. It was, it was outstanding. I got a lot of respect for him, mate. Um, quickly before we let you go, Joe Parker, who does he fight next? <laughs> you know what? He just signed a promotional deal with Fox, yeah. one of the British promotional companies. He's going to be fighting on Sky Sports up in the UK. I mean, it's an interesting one because he was, I mean, he was mooted to be fighting Joe Joyce, a British heavyweight, which would have been an absolutely amazing oh. fight, a really close fight, I think. But because Joe Joyce is signed to a rival promoter and rival uh, television company, I think that fight is off the cards now. I'm not exactly sure what Parker's next step is. I'm sure Sky will be sitting down with him and trying to figure out a way to, uh, well, a way for him to actually infiltrate the very top of the heavyweight division again. Because if Tyson Fury sits out the next few months and relinquishes his belt and so on, it's going to be an absolute free-for-all. Suddenly you've got Anthony Joshua, who beat Joe in the past, doesn't look anywhere near as good as he used to. I wouldn't mind seeing that rematch, for example. I think there are real opportunities there for Joe, and maybe on a lesser level for Sonny as well, whenever he gets back off the couch <laughs> to uh, make moves. Yeah, I was reading, I don't know if it was clickbait, I was reading something about Sonny calling out Mike Tyson. <laughs> yeah, I read the same thing. <laughs> I don't know if it was clickbait, but I was like, wow, he's keen. Mike Tyson wasn't that keen, though. He wants to fight a real boxer, he said. It was only, anyway, might have been just a headline. Hey, uh, Gavin, are you coming down under? Are you going to come down for the tour, or are you coming to New Zealand anytime soon? You know what, mate? I've been TJ Paranara. I just missed out on a call-up. Uh, <laughs> one of my colleagues is going down instead. So uh, we've got a, we've, I've got sort of boxing responsibilities and other things going on here. I'll be dialing uh, him up for podcasts and various things. I'm got it. I'm got it. I bet you got it, mate. You you just put it. You just, mate. You just stay determined. You keep doing what you're doing, mate. You're an outstanding bloke, and you're doing great things. We appreciate you. And if you ever come down under, sing out. We'll look after you here on ECNZ, brother. Hundred percent. Really appreciate it, mate. Thank you. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato, and aioli. So, we doubled it: chicken and Macca's together, and loving it. Ba da ba ba ba. Available after ten thirty a.m. for a limited time only.